Should you ever set foot outside of the motel, you will be shot. Don't miss the new Showtime limited series based on the international bestseller. For the last four years, I've been a prisoner. Why are they keeping you here? Starring Emmy Award winner Ewan McGregor. This is the brave new world that you dreamt of. Be very careful. You are still a prisoner here. Everything in this new world comes at cost. This is still my country. A Gentleman in Moscow, now streaming on Paramount Plus, only with the Paramount Plus with Showtime plan. This episode of Survivor Brothers is brought to you by the TV Guide Podcast Network. And all I want for Christmas is this podcast, obsessive reviews of TV holiday movies. Join TV Guide holiday movie fanatic Julia Lechner and her special guests every Tuesday and Thursday as they break down the must-watch TV holiday movies of the season from Hallmark, Lifetime, Netflix, and more. Pour yourself a cup of hot cocoa, throw a Yule log on the fire, and enjoy this holly jolly podcast. Subscribe to TV Guide's All I Want for Christmas is this podcast now wherever you stream podcasts hello everybody you're listening to the survivor brothers the ultimate unofficial podcast from your friends at tv guide i'm your survivor obsessed host fox van allen and joining me today is not Lance Cartelli. He is uh, he is out today. Uh, he is uh, off uh, either at Applebee's or trying to. Uh, I, I, I believe he heard that uh, Annalise Talavera is now single, so maybe he's working on that. Um, also, we don't know where Lance is, but he will be back here next week. But thankfully, this week we have an absolutely fantastic guest for you, uh, ladies and gentlemen. Please join me from wel- uh, join me in welcoming uh, from Parade. And from Raw Has a Podcast, join me in welcoming Mike Bloom. Hello, Mike. Hello, Fox. Happy to be an honorary Survivor stepbrother. Am I presuming? Yes, yes. That position? Yes. I, don't, I, I, I know that, you know, Survivor apparently is all about secondhand connections when it comes to keeping people. So hopefully that helps my uh, longevity. If You know, I'm no uh, ex-girlfriend of Dean's, but hopefully <laughs> that means we can still foster some sort of connection here. Yeah, we're building some good pre-merge bonds here, uh, something that may help us out later. Um, and, uh, you know, I guess I guess our listeners are getting our, their first look at the, uh, the new Survivor brothers here. Lance voted out at the last Tribal Council. Terrible. Yeah, he's off uh, in, I guess he's scouring every chicken farm to look for a uh, poor sis. <laughs> Even though we have a fox in the hen house right here. He should have just looked where, where it was all along. Yeah, Lance is trying to find a, a chicken that looks exactly like him. That is where that is what he's off to. Uh, okay, so we had an absolutely uh, a fantastic episode last night. I, I want to say probably one of the best tribal councils that I've ever seen. Um, and, it, and that didn't even get into the craziness that happened at the vote. Um, we've got some, uh, we got some great Janet moments. Uh, we're going to talk about it all uh, today, right here on the show. But before we get started with the episode, I want to just talk to you a little bit, Mike. I, I went first of all, I want you to tell everybody uh, what it is you do because I, I love your columns and your interviews that you do at Parade. Like, how long have you been doing? Just let us know what what what's going on with you. Well, thank you so much for the kind yeah. words. The stepbrothership has become uh, <laughs> just so positive in the first few minutes of everything. I'm loving this. Nothing but love. Uh, So, I mean, I've been a lifelong Survivor fan, Uh, not necessarily day one, but like uh, this is really taking me back. And maybe because the 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 ruminating on the unfortunate passing of Rudy Bosch last week has sort of Mm. left me in Borneo mode. But uh, I I know that back in the summer of 2000, it was such a popular hit that they actually re-ran 
Survivor, like in the weeks leading up to not leading up to it, but like in the intervening weeks to get everyone caught up. So I think my first episode was like episode six of season okay. one. OK. And then I just sort of caught up on the back catalog and I was a devotee ever since. And I have become enormously lucky in a myriad of ways, uh, much like your typical Survivor player. Luck is very ingrained into my own Survivor career. Uh, I got started Survivor podcasting about five and a half years ago. At this point, uh, I got started with a podcast called The Survivor Historians, which is still going. It's a very in-depth, lengthy podcast series where we essentially uh, go through the older seasons of Survivor. We talk through the historical context behind it, what the reception was at the time, how it informs future seasons that go past it. And I also happen to get involved as part of the uh, the main coterie the rogues gallery of people that make up the Rob has a podcast staff, which for those of you that might not know, I know you had Rob on, I believe during one of your big brother podcasts. Uh, but Rob is obviously a survivor, two time survivor contestant who does an um, ungodly amount of survivor coverage yes, he does. each and every week. Uh, and I'm very lucky to be a part of said survivor coverage. I do a weekly survivor podcast called the RHAP BNB with a lovely woman by the name of Liana Boris, Bloom and Boris BNB. We just sort of stumbled upon it, much like your typical merge tribe name, uh, where we focus on really the B&B focuses on like the F and F, the frivolity and fun that comes with Survivor. And that actually started around uh, Survivor 35, which was actually when I started getting involved doing Survivor Exit Press. So I was granted the opportunity to start doing press with Survivor Heroes versus Healers versus Hustlers. This is technically my fifth season, if you count Edge of Extinction, uh, with interviewing these players. And I... I'm incredibly grateful that with this particular season, I got to go out on set to Survivor Island of the Idols preseason. I got to interview all the players, got to talk with Jeff, got to meet the two idols, Boston, Robin, Sandra. I had a reaction very akin to Janet's. <laughs> this episode just stunned silence for a little while, and I got to see the first few days uh, that really were, now looking back, a great microcosm of this entire pre-merge. Lots of emotions. Lots of beautiful stories and a lot of strategic insanity. So, uh, you know, in a manner of speaking, that's sort of been my Survivor resume up to this point. It's a show that I cannot believe, you know, has been so seminal to not only my upbringing, but my digestion of popular culture. And I count, you know, my uh, my blessings every single day that I get the opportunity to engage in it in so many ways, including making a new member of a Survivor podcast family right here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I mean, I, I want to say that, like, I, I mean, going going back, uh, I, I have been listening to Rob, uh, Sister Nina, Rob has a podcast, you know, the entire thing for uh, you know, probably at least five years now, if not longer. Um, you know, trying to think back to when I started, it's, it's hard because it just always seems like it's always been there. Um, yeah. but it hasn't. And I, I, I really got to, you know, shout out to Rob and, and shout out to you too. Cause you're kind of like the, the OGs of this like survivor coverage where, uh, you know, for, I feel like for the longest time and like the beginning of survivor, like to like survivor was like not cool. It wasn't cool mm. to do that. And if like you were super into survivors, like, like it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, like the, the survivor sucks and like all that. Um, but like now all of a sudden, like, especially with, with Rob and, you know, now that it's being covered by, by you and Josh Wiggler and like, there are all these people out there who kind of like have a survivor beat now, um, getting like really in-depth coverage. It's, it's, I think it's fantastic. And if not for you guys, I definitely would not be here doing this. Um, it's, it, I, I'm, I've got nothing but great things to say to you, uh, and, and to Rob and, and. I mean, that, that 
That's amazingly kind. Yeah, I mean, and, and love, love. I mean, and it's it's fantastic. And I cannot believe to your point that even in the past like two or three years, how much proliferation of Survivor coverage there's been, whether it's former players in the in the mold of Rob coming out and doing their own commentary, whether it's other fans who are some of the most astute smart people I've ever been able to have a conversation with being able to break down the game. Uh, I, I mean, speaking to a point that you made before, I was someone who was very much for lack of a better term, a a little in the closet when it came to my survivor fandom. Uh, It was something that I watched with my family. They gave up after a certain amount of time. I did not to the point when I first uh, made my outreach to Rob, I reached out under a pseudonym because I had this paranoid fear of like, what if this gets back to me, back to me that, oh, Mike Bloom likes Survivor. And now, again, looking back like half a decade where it's become such an integral part of my life in so many ways, I, I laugh. I yeah. scoff at that idea. And the crazy thing is now that I've been obviously more upfront about all the great work I've gotten to do, uh, there have been people in my life who I didn't realize were Survivor fans who have, like, come out, you know, in support of the show, saying they've watched it all the time. Uh, for example, you know, I, I had I just put out a piece with Jamal, really, really great interview where he gave is, some more background. It is fantastic, yeah. Thank you. Um, so he gave some more background and more insight to the discussion he had with Jack last week, and he posts this on Facebook, and one of my close college friends responds being like, oh, my God, I know this guy. Uh, and so just to like watch again, much like the Kelly and Dean thing, much it's a small world somehow. And to watch, you know, people from your life come out in support of something that you really enjoy and really love talking about when for so long I was so afraid and concerned that it was a part of my personal life that I kept hidden from everyone else. It's a it's a crazy transition. And I'm so happy with just I don't know, the 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 community that we have found ourselves with today oh you you cover big brother it could could be a lot worse in terms of the (laughs) especially when discussing some of these these heavier issues that we have the past couple of episodes this is a for the most part a very measured a very mature and a very uh very uh you know complicated community and to be able to have the ability to provide an outlet to break down some of these really uh, fascinating and really important issues. It, it's it's been a golden opportunity in so many ways. Yeah, and uh, for sure, like you said, this has been. I I want to say like I I think this season is probably going to go down in history as one of the most important Survivor seasons, regardless of how it turns out in the end and who wins what, because we are we are dealing with a lot of really big issues, and in a way that Survivor has not dealt with these issues before. Um, you know, whether it was the conversation last week that we had uh, about uh, with between Jack and Jamal, the conversation we had uh, here about, um, you know, all women's alliances and what that means for the game, uh, even what's going on with Dan and the spatial awareness uh, that, that we've been talking about uh, since the uh, first episode of the season. Like there are so many really important topics here. And I feel like, you know, just reading some of the comments on the Internet, it's making a lot of people uncomfortable but that's good because like it is it is just addressing so many really important topics and you know regardless of how you feel on these topics it is so important that we have this conversation and survivor is really the perfect place to have this conversation because that's what the game is all about it's about relationships between people uh and i'm really glad to see them handle it uh, in in a way, this this season that you probably would not have seen, you know, in you know, five years ago or maybe even a couple seasons ago. 
Um, yeah, it's 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 extremely interesting, and it's interesting especially compared to some of the other ways that they might have highlighted these issues in the past. I know I mentioned Rudy Bosch, but mm-hmm. I think that his relationship with Richard Hatch was sort of a way to really approach this idea of uh, you know um, internalized homophobia and how to receive uh, someone from the LGBTQ community at a time where being out and proud was very few and far between. You know, uh, there was Richard Hatch and then there was like Jack and Will on Will and Grace. And there really wasn't a lot of pictures in terms of uh, homosexual television characters. And you have someone in stark contrast to Richard who, you know, would say on paper, oh, this is the Archie Bunker to his meathead. Like he's going to hate him. He's going to vote him out immediately. And not only do they become like close friends, you know, he they become the the tightest pair in the game. And I would say to this point, still one of the most legendary pairs in Survivor history. Survivor has been, as Jeff vocalizes at the end of this tribal council, you know, I feel like maybe sometimes amidst all the complications that the game has brought about recently, whether it's the focus on strategy or, uh, you know, the induction of idols or numerous advantages into the game. uh, But still at its core, to your point it's about people. Yes. It's about people. And I know it's weird to say like, oh, they're building a society together. But essentially what I've always felt, and actually this was dictated ironically enough in a conversation I had with Jamal preseason, he said it super well uh, when he was, he, I, he essentially was talking about how former players might judge the people on a current season being like, why aren't you doing this? Why aren't you judging that? And Jamal brought up this great point where he said that it's not up to the audience to dictate the rules of a season. You know, it's up to the 19 or 20 people involved to dictate, you know, what makes a deserving winner, what makes a a good game, etc. And that speaks as well from a moral perspective uh, as to, you know, what are the quote unquote rules we've seen in seasons like uh, Survivor Redemption Island when Boston Rob runs things like a prison and institutes like the buddy system and these very strict rules. There are other times when, uh, you know, uh, more immoral actions can be taken and, you know, they just get laughed off sometimes like, oh, that's Johnny Fairplay. You can't trust him. And it seems in this case, and we can certainly talk about whether or not it is emblematic of the age that we live in, as as Jeff has sort of ascribed to it. But uh, this seems like a group of people in particular that from the backgrounds they come from, they have they have certain opinions because they all have a certain identity and their identity, no matter if you think that when you enter the survivor game, you have sort of a blank slate of things you perception is reality and i think that unfortunately based on certain pillars of identity you might have certain uh, uh misconceptions or uh stereotypes based upon you as a first impression and i feel like these are moments to sort of talk about it are they a little more i would say uh not blatant but i'd say maybe a little more underlined than those relationships like the rudy and rich thing absolutely but I mean, to your point, considering the feedback from some of the audience, maybe that communication style might be necessary in this day and age, for example. When we live in an age of social media that is all about really making statements and, you know, giving reasonable explanations to them, there are certain times when these conversations where it felt like these contestants were almost talking to the camera in addition to talking about the game. And I can understand why some people might have issue with that if it comes to this idea of, you know, basing uh, the conversations in reality and naturalism. But when it comes to the actual content and intent behind it, uh, it's something that I really, really value, uh, especially, you know, 39 seasons into the show. The fact that it is able to take on issues, such timely issues in such a well-measured and very 
articulate way just across the board from this cast is fantastic. Yeah, yeah, and, and I, I think you can really, um, you know, uh, the the type of uh, the type of uh, comment that Jack made last week um, really could have. Absolutely. Depending on how the show handles it, and how Jack handles it, and how the people around him handles it, it could have just cast like such a bad light on this season. And if we were thinking back about like Big Brother season fifteen, or maybe um, uh, going back to Survivor, uh, maybe One World and Colton, and just like think like the way like I just I'm really glad that um, you know Jack handled it the way he did, Jamal handled it the way he did. We got such a valuable conversation there um, that seemed to bring them even closer together. Um, That was like one of my questions last week. Like it's got to affect the game, but how? And it really seems like it did bring them closer together. Um, And, you know, I, I, I really, I'm, I'm so into these conversations um, and and I love that they're having it. I love that the culture of this Laro tribe um, is just like, allowing these conversations to happen. And, you know, like you said, if it was a, a different season and a different group of people, maybe we wouldn't be having these these kind of conversations or the, the quality that we're having here. Um, you know, I, I know there's some people who are like, really about the people who are playing and not about the tribes, like, you know, Lero, Volkai, whatever. But I think they're the tribe dynamics, like, I know I act as a different person when I'm, say, at work versus when I'm hanging out with my friends or like it's just the 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 group of people with your that you're with really define like helps shape who you are. And it's like it's such an important part of the game. Um, mm. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, and I think that I mean, look, as an example, uh, at that tribal council on two ends. You have Kelly and you have Janet, and they both make really interesting points about, and we'll certainly get into it, you know, uh, both the concept of a woman's alliance mm-hmm. uh, and its history and survivor, as well as just the the role uh, and the bolstering of women in, in today's day and age. But here are two women who I feel could not be less similar. You know, you have uh, a 20-something person, a uh, person from, you know, Philadelphia slash California who just moved to business school after deciding to move on from a, a medical profession. And you have a near 60 year old woman who has been a lifeguard basically her entire life. Yet they both come together around this idea of like, yeah, we both have this experience where we have been judged for our gender or even looking on the other tribe. We see it very briefly in the beginning of this episode, but the Lauren Missy connection Hmm. is so interesting to me. Lauren told me in the preseason when I asked her, you know, I asked all the contestants who's a, what's the type of person that you would want to be your closest ally. And Lauren was one of the people to literally point someone out. And she said, I want to seek the other black girl here. Uh, And you, you wonder exactly why that might be, but it's because I think that they have, an unconsciously shared experience mm. uh, in terms of the the role of a woman a woman of color in this day and age. And even though you know they might come from completely different lifestyles, completely different parts of the country, that is something that they can find common ground around. And we got you know a, a bit about that relationship in the beginning of this episode. But yeah, true to true to Lauren's prediction, it ended up becoming a really close bond. Yeah, I, and I think this is uh, we we keep talking about like getting into this episode. Let, let's let's do it. And I think you've provided <laughs> the perfect segue here because one of the first scenes. 
scenes that we do get is this, uh, you know, the aftermath at Vokai last week. Uh, we, we lost Jason uh, at a very intense tribal council. Um, and we do see this. I, I feel like the biggest moment that we get in this aftermath is this uh, Lauren and Missy moment where, you know, uh, Lauren feels really hurt. Like she thought that they had something going together. And Missy is like, yes, for sure we do. Like, I can't. I, I love I've been going back and forth on on Missy because I, I first of all, Lance and I absolutely loved her in the preseason. And in the first the first several episodes that we saw, it was like Missy seems to be doing everything right. And then last episode, we were kind of like, OK, it looks like Missy was making some mistakes, but it looks like I, I loved everything I saw out of Missy in this episode where she's kind of uh, she's selling Lauren at like 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 you can't go home like the, we we have to like I need you for my game. And like I, I always like think like there's it's so hard to trust like what's going on in Survivor, but I feel like the one thing that you can always kind of assume is that someone else is gonna do whatever's best for their game. Um, mm. And and I, I I do like that like it it makes a lot of it does make a lot of sense that they that they want to stick together. And then we saw it at the uh, the immunity challenge, not to get ahead yeah. of ourselves, but they share like okay like they had like this this great moment where they're like hugging it like okay now let's win the game. Um, and I, it really seems like we didn't see a lot of them working together in previous episodes, but for sure it looks like they are, right? Yeah, I mean, that's my assumption at this moment. And I mean, going into this merge, uh, I mean, it got increasingly complicated by what just happened at Lyra yes. in this most recent tribal council. But that is, you know, you can look on paper and say, okay, is it original Vokai versus original Lyro? But there's so many little duos both mm. intertribal and intratribal. And, uh, you know, Lauren and Missy is an example of the latter, where if it's Vokai versus Lyro, it might be a case where one's going to look out for the other one on the other side. You know, maybe it's going to be a bit more of a secretive relationship, even though it does seem like, uh, you know, someone like Elizabeth uh, or even, you know, Jason, who I was speaking about last week, it was sort of, I guess, apparent that Missy and Lauren at least had a bond going on. It, that comment about, you know, you can't go home for my game is so interesting because i feel like when it comes i mean it has a great chance and depending on delivery of like being very conceited right right being like well you can't go home for my game because right. like that essentially that might have a context of like i'm controlling you like you're a number for me but missy is able to spin it in a surprisingly comforting way and i think that to your point if we're talking about the culture of this season outside of the actual cultural material this cast is extremely cutthroat because they're all operating out of a sense of self-preservation mm. so early on yeah it's almost like they're playing a post-merge game in the pre-merge you I, know and i think yeah that's what's led to like so much craziness and i think so i think you know lauren and missy are able to connect over that whereas maybe if missy had said that with another cast they might have said oh my god i'm so offended by that you know am i am i a pilot a passenger instead of a pilot but here lauren <laughs> can sort of say okay you know what I had my big cutthroat move. I got rid of Molly. You had your big cutthroat move. You got you got rid of Jason. But the thing is, we're going to look out for each other because we're best for each other's game. And it's sort of like that game respects game mentality mm -hmm. that I think is really driving a lot of the action this season. Yeah. And, and I think part of it also is 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 that it is Missy who is delivering it. And, and she that's just like she's got that, uh, you know, very a type personality. And, you know, like it it, it just comes it just it just feels 
it feels okay coming from her, like in, in this moment, like in maybe a way it wouldn't w- with someone else. I, I, I don't know, but I, I just, I, I really, I really like Missy. Um, and uh, I, I'm, I'm very excited to see how she plays in the merge. You know, I've been very nervous for her over the last few episodes because, you know, she is in, uh, you know, a tough position if you consider just the basic, you know, Vokai versus Lero numbers. Um, but maybe that's not going to be a bit as big of a deal as it has been in some past seasons, you know? Um, yeah, you know, I, I feel like the more modern survivor is, you know, less of the, uh, stick together with your original tribe. Um, despite, you know, everybody saying, you know, oh, Vokai strong, Lyra strong. Um, and it, for like each season, it seems like more and more people are looking out for themselves earlier and earlier. Um, and it, it's, it's, the game is getting faster. It, it is getting very fast. Um, it, it got so fast that they, everybody skipped that first move, the first move to get rid of Karishma. Uh, everybody skipped it and went straight to the, uh, you know, bigger move. Um, and they, no one ever got back to that, uh, that, that initial move. And now it looks like she is in a great position moving forward. Um, you know, maybe not to win the game, but definitely to go far because she does not seem like a threat. Yeah, I mean, to have Karishma, Nora, and Dean all make the merge, it's pretty ridiculous considering the very precarious positions that they had all been in. And to your point, I think it just speaks to how a lot of these people really, I know that Aaron has put, put forth this mentality of like, I play two or three moves ahead, but I really do feel like, ironically enough, they're playing a lot like one of our idols this season. They're playing very day-to-day. I'll, they're basically playing with the mentality as long as it's not me. Yeah. You know, they're, they're basically like, hey, throw out a name. Maybe they'll have one or two people that they're like, I'm going to try to look out for. But at the end of the day, it's all about self-preservation, even in a tribal stage where you really try to balance the group mentality versus the individual mentality. That really seems to be less of the case this time around, considering that, to your point, uh, uh, it continually targeted as a weak link. Maybe that's not necessarily uh, accurate, but at least being painted as a weak link, Karishma makes it through to the merch. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, to, to go back to uh, to Aaron, I, I feel like a couple episodes ago, he was saying something about, uh, you know, how you need to think a couple steps ahead. And, you know, t- uh, like you said, it really does seem like it's more of a in the moment game that he's playing, despite that he says he's looking several moments ahead. And I think you see it a little bit in this episode where it's just like it's all about like, OK, we've got the numbers now. Like, I feel great because, you know, it's four to three. But it's got to be if you're thinking like one or two steps ahead, you know, the merge is probably going to come at 13 because it usually does. And that there's really you got like maybe one more tribal council. I mean, great. You made the merge. But like I, that power dynamic that you're so excited about really isn't going to exist for much longer. And you might not be able to do anything with it, as is the case here. You know, they had that, mm. you know, they they were talking about, you know, maybe going after Tommy. Um, and, and nothing, nothing happened with it because they didn't go back to tribal and they won't have that chance again because now the numbers are back with the Vokai people, uh, having the numbers and with Tommy having friends. So it's not so easy anymore. Yeah. And it's an interesting question. I know it's certainly been asked as to, okay, conventional wisdom, uh, says, okay, throw the challenge. If you are old Lyro, new Vokai, cause you just can very easily, you have a four, three majority right now, but obviously, you know, uh, I guess easier said than done. A, this seems to be in addition to a very, uh, cutthroat group, a very athletically mm-hmm. stacked group. Yeah. And considering if you have professional athlete, Elizabeth, you know, a a very competitive Missy and, you know, a very physically uh, competitive Aaron as well as the three like 
and Elaine really leading the tribe, uh, you, you know, they might not necessarily have that losing mentality on top of they might feel like if they throw the challenge and they vote out one of Dan, Lauren or Tommy, most likely Tommy, that's going to completely sever the relationships with mm. the other two Vokai. Whereas maybe if they win the challenge, they're going to have another day of relaxation and safety. As Lauren says, bonding is like 95% of Survivor. They can make those bonds. So, hey, even if Lyro is down 7-6 at the merge, there's a slight connection that they can make that is more bolstered than it would if they had thrown the challenge and said, okay, we're definitely against you. We have to get rid of one of your people. And okay, we'll see you at the merge. Uh, probably not going to work with you anymore. Yeah, no, I, I like that you. I, I like that you. Uh, you mentioned the possibility of throwing it here because that was that was like in the back of my mind. Like, does it make sense to do that here? Because it's like I said, it's it's four to three, and it's probably the only chance you're going to have for the rest of the game to make a kind of move like this. But. Like you said, it's it, there. There are so many physical people, and it's, even Tommy, uh, Tommy, who's been fantastic mm-hmm. in challenge at this episode. Oh yeah, well, I mean, he was, he was he's, he's and seen, he's he not throwing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yes, no. yes. He, he got very intense this episode. Let's go. Yeah, put in, put the thing in. Uh, and then when the when they put the puzzle together, he's like laying down on it, despite the fact that it's covered in people's muddy shoes. Like you could tell that his. I mean, you saw he like cries nearly at one point in the in the episode because just the idea of him going home. And I love Lauren just being like basically saying suck it up, buttercup for the umpteen time and being like, okay, we got to get down to business. But yeah, I, I can imagine and, you know, Hopefully I'll have the chance to talk with all these people at some point down the line. But uh, I could imagine that maybe the idea of not throwing the challenge uh, was about this idea of making social inroads, knowing there was a merge coming up. You know, you're preparing for the merge. You can do it one of two ways. You can either make the strategic move, throw the challenge, get rid of another Vokai to really try to even up the numbers. Or you can say, all right, then I know the merge is coming up. Let me A, guarantee my safety and B, use this time to make some inroads to help my chances down the line. So it, it's much like this lesson in, on IOI. It's a calculated risk. Yes, yes. Um, uh, yeah, so um, yeah, we see, we see uh, uh, again uh, over there, just to finish up on Vokai before we move on to the Island of the Idols. Um, it looks like uh, we talked a little bit about, uh, mentioned quickly about Dan, uh, and we get a, we get another scene. Apparently, Dan likes to, you know, limbs every limbs are everywhere. Uh, Elizabeth says, um, and everybody seems to bond around that. And uh, Lauren and Tommy are really pitching hard this idea that like Dan, like they already sense that like people are a little uncomfortable with Dan, and they're throwing him under the bus, coming up with some stories that he's going after Aaron. Um, I, I, I like that Lauren is, you know, thinking about, you know, that she's got this relationship with Tommy and other people might see it and that that's a problem and trying to work it. Uh, but, you know, kudos to Missy for seeing right through that. Um, you know, I, and one of the reasons why I love Missy as a player, like she really does think about these scenarios. Yeah, I mean, she really has uh, her BS radar is like always pinging. And I will definitely commend the move on Lauren and Tommy's part as well, because what we've learned and what I certainly learned from my exit interview with Jason last week is that, I mean, the plan on the original Vokai's part was to blindside Aaron. Uh, the plan was that originally the four original Vokai were really going to put forward this idea of rocks while convincing Aaron to flip. And then what they would do was turn their four votes onto Aaron. So it would make four votes for Aaron, one vote for Elaine, three votes for, I guess, let's say Jason. And they would be able to get a, get a plurality of votes, send home uh, an original vote, uh, an original Lyro, still keep 
things divided where, you know, Missy intended to flip and now Elizabeth and Elaine know that so they can maintain those numbers. So that was a plan. And now that Jason's gone, you know, they are very easily to throw. They know that information. Obviously, Aaron and the others don't. So they were able to. It's not necessarily a lie. They were able to. I think bring up this narrative and, you know, hoist it onto Dan. And I think that it's, it's a good idea, you know, just on paper for it to happen. Yeah. But like you said, I, when you're dealing with someone like Missy, who I think was able to a maybe pick up on something with fishy, but B use this as her opportunity. Like she might believe that the Dan thing is true, but that doesn't matter to her. It doesn't matter to her that they were thinking of getting rid of Aaron for her. What matters right now is let me, keep my bond with Lauren and a great way to do that. And, you know, we've seen people like Russell Hans do this before to more middling effect, but it's this idea of like, let me get rid of my number one's number one. Uh, let me get rid of Tommy, the comfort blanket, as she says. So it's going to drive Lauren further into her arms. I don't know if that would have been the case had they actually gone through with it, but it's a very interesting counter move by Missy and admittedly is pretty badass to have Lauren and Tommy plan this entire thing. They think they go through it flawlessly cut to Missy and Elizabeth being like, uh, no, we're still going to vote out Tommy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's fantastic. It is, it is absolutely fantastic. Um, okay. So I do want to, I do want to get into this, uh, this, uh, Island of the idols and, uh, the, what, the, what's going on in the Lairo tribe. Um, and we're going to do that right after this. Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. Okay, uh, so we are back, and as promised, I want to I want to go start talking about Lero here. Um, it is uh, it is uh, an, an interesting tribe, uh, it, and it is a uh, it is a miserable tribe uh, when we first uh, when we first get our look. Uh, Karishma's wet, everybody's wet. Um, did you did you like that little edit that they did uh, oh. with Karishma? I really like that edit. That was so great. much fun. I mean, it, first of all, it was straight out of a horror movie. Like you could have <laughs> cut to her dead uh, underneath that poor basket, but it's a great representation of of the elements. I mean, I uh, my assumption is she was sitting there wet and miserable in that same position all night right uh and so it's almost like a time-lapse camera of just on one person and yeah i mean uh I, it is as we've known from previous odd number survivor seasons in fiji the weather can get nasty around that march april time of year i was very lucky that when i went out it was unseasonably beautiful uh it only rained a couple of times and it wasn't anything like crazy or intense certainly not like the uh the big typhoons that we've gotten the past couple seasons right but, I mean, uh, the misery that we saw from that scene was palpable, but that also really segues nicely into a lot of the behavior going around at camp. Specifically, you know, I think the grouchiness on both Jamal and Kelly's part. Yeah, I, I think I think you're right about that. I mean, I, it's it's hard to fake being happy and cheerful when you're wet and cold and, and miserable. Um, and, uh, you know, it looks like it looks like they're just like sleeping on the ground, too. I mean, there's, yeah, I think uh, I'm pretty sure the, yeah, the Lyro camp, they pretty much said like they had 
when I had visited, they had built a little bit of a floor. I think they had sort of given up on that. They probably said that the, you know, the I've heard bad things about sleeping on bamboo, that sometimes people decide to sleep on the ground and deal with the stuff that might crawl over them because it's actually softer than the bamboo. And it looks like Lyro eventually decided to do that, much to the former sh- uh, Fokai's chagrin. Uh, and I guess, unfortunately, another uh, externality is that when it rains, the dirt turns to mud, and so you're sleeping in the mud. Yeah, that did not that did not look great, and that's that can't help just like being ready for an immunity challenge and going into there. I mean, Lairo's got had enough trouble all season long, and just to have like such a tough camp life has, has got to really just kind of magnify those those problems. Yeah. And I mean, uh, Kelly says it here. She's like, I am someone who usually does not deal with incompetence, but you add hunger and sleeplessness onto that. And it really makes the tempers flare. And again, I, I feel like from both sides, I mean, Jamal had this beautiful edit the previous episode with <laughs> Fox. It is just so freaking hot and cold where yes. Jamal, I think... I will I'll say I think he acts like kind of an a-hole in the yeah. beginning of this episode. Yeah, yeah. Um uh, yeah, it's it, it was uh it, Lance Lance and I talked about it, you know, b- b- back before he got blindsided that it seemed like he was, like there was like a certain arrogance to his game, uh you know, j- just not bringing your stuff to tribal counts cuz you feel so safe and you know, just like a few things that we'd seen from him and it seemed like all of a sudden like there was a complete turnaround where you know, he was just so uh, much but now again, like in this episode now that's Raining, uh, you know, he says it himself that he feels really safe. You know, he hasn't felt this safe in a very long time, and maybe that's why it's coming out again. Um, you know, mm. maybe maybe that's part of it. Uh, you know, combined with the rain and combined with not getting enough food, and you know, we we see, you know, obviously there's a food moment here uh, where you know he he comes at Nora a little bit for having, you know, it's it there's not you've got too you got too much rice there or um, or with the with Kelly and the Flint and not letting her take a take a shot at it, you know, um, it's it's just, it's a rough it's a rough look for for Jamal, um, you know, especially uh, again losing another ally tonight um, or, or last night, uh, I guess. Yeah, and and an idol at that. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, when it comes to when it comes to approaches in the game, uh, there's this idea that I've always thought about with Survivor. With uh, It's basically a duality of content versus intent. And when it comes to Survivor, and we actually spoke about this a bit with Missy and Lauren's approach, intent is so much vi- more vital than content is. Most of the time in games like this, it's not necessarily what you say, but it's the tone and emotion with which you say it. And I think the thing with Jamal is, you know, again, if, if you take... The things that he said, you know, telling Nora like, oh, yeah, you know, the rice is smaller because you put in a smaller portion. Right. Uh, and you you maybe put on a different tone to it. And maybe it takes on maybe something more jocular or maybe something uh, more, I, I don't know, pleasant. I don't want to say it was an unpleasant tone, but I think it was maybe a bit more argumentative uh, or uh, maybe a bit more confrontational. And I think that, unfortunately, the tone that he took was something that really, I mean, Nora was not a huge fan of his to begin with. Right. But I know Kelly, it, it was a weird situation where, you know, Kelly, when Jack says, hey, Kelly should use the flint, Kelly does respond with like, sure, whatever. And I could see from Jamal's perspective, if he takes that to mean, okay, that means that she doesn't really want to do it. And Jack's sort of making her do it. But it's very clear that I think maybe just the the mood that she's in has made her uh, give a low energy response when she really does want to do it. And it does 
tick her off when as she starts getting into it, Jamal is like, okay, do you do you want me to take over? And I could from his perspective, it's less about stepping in and more so relieving her of duty, mm. uh, feeling like she doesn't she's doing something that she doesn't want to do. But from Kelly's perspective, and I think from our perspective, it's very much hey, uh, he wanted to do this all along uh, and to the point where when somebody else does it, he he wants to take the job back. Right, right. Um, and it really puts him in a bad spot here uh, with, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Kelly uh, and, and Nora. Um, they they both do not like uh, what they're hearing. And, and Nora, for sure, makes this pitch uh, again about this uh, trying to get a women's alliance going um, and, and talking with Janet about this. And while it seems like uh, yeah, it, maybe he's rubbing Janet the wrong way uh, as well. Um, she at least believes that it is not the right time, that she does not want to go after uh, Jamal here. She wants to stick together uh, through the merge uh, with Jamal and, and sees him as a better target after the fact. Um, so uh, what what do we what do you what do you think about this? Uh, where would you be if you were on this tribe? Like, is someone like is is would you want to make the move against Jamal here? Um, or would you want to stay, you know, vocai strong and mm-hmm. do what you can, you know, as as far as, uh, you know, maybe not making the idle play here and sticking with Dean and making this safe move, right? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because, uh, you know, I, I think it depends on your interpersonal relationship. I had the opportunity to talk with Jack shortly before uh, we're speaking right now. And, you know, he told me that he and Jamal and Jack, uh, her, he, Jamal and Janet, sorry, were very, very close. And so that gives a bit more perspective as to Janet's reticence to end up voting out Jamal because I feel like she says, yeah, voting out Jamal would be good for your game because you don't like each other, but I personally like him. So I don't see any reason to get rid of him. Uh, And they thought that they had Kelly in on that plan, but it does seem like Kelly. And I definitely want I want to put a pin in that because uh, I have an interesting theory as to why. Kelly does what she does uh, that maybe connects a bit more as to what ended up happening last episode. Okay. Well, I, I definitely want to hear that, and we will come back to that. Um, but uh, but uh, speaking speaking of Janet, uh, this is kind of a uh, a Janet episode here. Uh, we got a lot of a lot of fun with Janet here because she goes to the island of the idols um, for a lesson about calculated risk, um, where she is going to play a game, and we really don't get too much information about the game. Uh, because yeah, I, I saw like uh, I saw three pieces in Rob's hands. It's yeah. two yellow, one red. Honestly. Um, knowing some of the challenges that have been used in previous seasons, it honestly could have been a simple game as like, I'm going to shuffle these behind my back and I'm going to pick one. If it's the red one, you win, yeah. you know? Yeah. So it's, it's, I guess the, the action was less about playing the game and it was more so about making the choice to play the game. Yeah. And, and I, I, again, I really like, uh, I, I loved what I saw from Janet here and, you know, Rob, Rob loves it too, uh, where she's thinking about, uh, and, and thinking about the risk and it's not even the, the calculated risk that she's thinking is not necessarily based around the game itself, but it's, it's based around the reward that she would get if she won the game, uh, which is, uh, I guess, uh, a safety without power. 
which is something which is something new, which I, I really like this concept. I, I think this is an interesting concept, a way to do immunity, but a little bit differently, where it's uh, not only is she safe, but she has to miss out on an entire tribal council. She stays home. Everyone else goes. So she doesn't vote. And she's thinking like, oh, boy, this could really screw things up. Like, what happens if my alliance needs me? Like, she's thinking. I, I love the way she's thinking here. Um, and and just like she's the first person, I'm not the first person to you know, say no, but like the first person to like just be like, like she just had such a great handle on the decision. Yeah. And I think that uh, some of the best twists to me in Survivor are the ones that bring opportunities of choice to the player. So even at the outset, the safety with a power twist is very interesting in that, you know, it really is this risk reward thing of, OK, you keep yourself safe, but at the same time, you miss out on a tribal council and tribal council could serve as a form of bonding. Something crazy could happen at tribal council that wouldn't have happened if you were there. So you might take you might have some guilt. You might take the blame for it, especially in a stage like this where it is a little tribalistic of old Vokai versus old Lyro. And, you know, in this case, sometimes people take these deals because they feel like they're in a comfortable position where even if they lose and lose their vote, it's going to be fine. But Janet is in such a comfortable position that she feels she doesn't need to do this. You know, I guess compare her situation to Elaine's from last week where Elaine's like, hell yeah, I'm going to do it no matter what it is right. because uh, we're looking down the barrel of rocks here and I want to try to do something to help our situation. Janet's in a, what she looks like looks at right now is a 5-2 majority on this tribe. She's basically looking at the merge right now and she does not want any funny business. She wants to mitigate any sort of funny business that might happen. So while this might guarantee her getting to the merge, what also might guarantee her to the merge is to play it safe and, you know, m make sure that she's there at tribal council. Yeah, I I, lo I do love the I, I love the move that she made here. It is it, it feels like a very Janet move, um, you know, when she comes back and, you know, talks to the tribe. You know, it's it's a it's a very matter of fact that, you know, I decided not to play the game. And, you know, we don't get any like. Uh, reactions from people saying like, "Oh yeah, she's telling the well, truth." We, oh yeah, we she's get lying, reactions, but, but to a very different thing. Yeah, yeah. But the I, I feel like the it, it's it's just so believable coming from her. Like yeah. you wouldn't expect her to make this gamble that could potentially hurt her and the tribe. Like it just makes total sense for her, and like that's one of the reasons why you would want to work with Janet because she is just like. Like you, you know what she, you know what you're getting. You know, you know she, she she's not the type of person who is going to stab you in the back at like the you know just it, right just in a in a heartbeat. You know, if, yeah. if she's coming it's, for you, there's a good reason, and it's not going to be just something that just like doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, she very much shares that uh, that capability with someone like Nora or even someone like Tom. What you see is what you get. And uh, maybe unlike somebody like Nora, who can come off as a bit flighty, Janet is somebody who maybe due to, you know, the way that she comes across is a bit more reliable. It also helps bolster her own story and Kelly's story that it was the same narrative. Doesn't hurt that she made quite the entrance on the boat ride back. <laughs> Never thought I would see that side of Janet. And I don't think I don't think I mean, I literally uh, like scream, not like screamed, but like. <laughs> Like, a, oh, when I when I saw that happen, because it was just so out of nowhere. But I mean, I was so happy to get so much Janet this episode. I felt like 
Uh, you know, with this cast, with these remaining 13 people, I feel like we know at least a little bit about each person, which yes. is a great a great yes. sign of a, of a great pre-merge. And I felt like Janet maybe might have been that last missing piece of the puzzle, uh, but we finally were able to, to push that in. All the edges have lined up, <laughs> and now we have a good picture at least as to what we think these 13 people are, Janet included. Yeah, there, yeah, no, you, you make a great point here. There's no one here that is, uh, as they might say, purple. Um, everybody has gotten some screen time here. I feel like I know a little bit about everybody that is currently in the game. There's no one in there that's like really like, I don't know what their game, or I don't know why they're there. I don't know how they're going to play the game moving forward. I think you've got like some enough clues about everybody, um, and that and that's great. Like I feel like we don't often get that, um, and it makes it a lot, a lot more enjoyable for me as someone who can often like, okay, they're not showing this person and they're not showing that person, so they're not going to win the game because if yeah. they were going to win the game, we would know who they are by the time we get to the merge. Right. So like, it's, I, I feel like it's, it's better first of all, cause like I want to learn about these people, but second mm-hmm. of all, because it makes it a little bit harder to see where the season is going. Yeah. And that's the thing is that, look, are there certainly people that I think we could discount from winning? Absolutely. I still think that's the case, but to your point, it's not going to be due to, lack of airtime. Right. I think it just might be due to place in the game. And I mean, this season is still so up in the air for me because I mean, if we look at conventional quote unquote winners edits, which, you know, it's basically parlance for uh, some, a lot of survivor winners have been edited in this way where they are uh, strategically competent and complicated and almost always neutral to positive. You know, you're not going to really see any huge mistakes that the winner makes. Uh, But I feel like we've been seeing, especially this season, more of a warts and all edit to the point where, like, I don't know. I I still don't know if I can count out Jamal as a winner, despite how insanely up and down. Even someone like Missy, who, like, had, you know, you have episode one. She's like, yeah, I, I survived a brain tumor. It's an insane story. Episode four, you have her sort of, like, going power crazy. Yeah. I, I, I like this fact that they are complicating things, not only to give us, I think, more truth as to what happened on the island, this idea that one day you're up and next day you're down, but also to keep the viewers on your toes. So yeah. we're not sitting there waiting for, you know— Go, we're not waiting for the Dom, Dom or Wendell coronation edit. Right, right, right. We, yeah. we still have a good amount of people viable because we don't know exactly if this is going to be a conventionally edited story or not. Right, right. And I think uh, I think a lot with, uh, I mean, just going back to last season, you know, Edge of Extinction, you know, how, how everything was up in the, like, no one saw that coming. Yeah. I mean, but then again, like, you got to think like, how do you edit that to like, it's, it's hard to make a way for anyone to see that coming. Cause it's just such an unbelievable ending. Um, but, but yeah, like here we've got quite a few people who are, who are in it, um, you know, have a good chance of winning still, um, that you might otherwise have counted out in other seasons. Um, a few people who probably are not going to win the game for sure. Um, but you know, at least we're getting something from everybody. And I think that's, that's really the best you can hope for here. Yeah, I mean, with this cast, I mean, granted, I might have some bias because I got out to interview these people, but I feel like it's been uh, a season of killing your darlings Mm. where, to be quite honest, you know, whenever we get to tribal council and a certain amount of people are on the short list to go, I'm like, I don't want to see any of them go. Even someone like Jack, who I think may have played a more minor role in this season, especially compared to his closer ally, Jamal, he is such a freaking sweet kid. To be quite honest, probably one of the sweetest people I've 
ever had a conversation with. He's so good natured and well intentioned that even to see him go was like, oh, my heart goes out to you. Yeah, it, it's it's tough to do, and especially because they all want it. Even some people who might not be as well versed in the game, or this might not be their diehard dream that they've had for years, they still have this passion to get to the end there and survive another three days on the island. And again, that certainly comes out in the choices that they make. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, for sure they're, they're going, they're going for it. And I, I love when they go for it. Um, so, uh, we, I want to talk a little bit about, uh, talk a little bit about the immunity challenge, uh, here. Um, it looks like, uh, it looks like Dean kind of gets lucky again, where there's just like the third, like basketball shooting. Challenge See, you, would, you would say that, but you have like, <laughs> Dean, Missy played basketball. Yeah. Tommy, I think, currently plays basketball. That's true. Yes, I, Tommy. Uh, Jamal, Tommy think, has Tommy has been crushing these basketball segments yeah, for sure. I, I think Jamal, you know, played basketball in high school. I think he yeah. was he was someone who, as you and uh, and and uh, as you guys pointed out last week, certainly helped with Dean to actually secure that surprise win for Lyro. So it's weird, you know. I think there certainly has been some commentary. It's like, wow, they're really making people uh, shoot things into baskets, but maybe they feel like there's enough people on the season that they can designate people to do it. I'll be very intrigued to see now that we get to the individual portion, like what exactly they're going to do, uh, knowing maybe some of the skill sets of some of these people. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's a, it's a, it's a relatively simple, uh, immunity challenge, at least as far as, as the team challenges go. Cause there's often yeah, like, it's it's there are no really ropes like... to untie. It's just yeah, coconuts and then a puzzle and we're done. Um, yeah, though, 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 I mean, I don't know, maybe it's because of the, uh, just intensity of Vokai with the puzzle, whether it was, you know, Lauren being able to lead the tribe, except for when Elaine is just that voice in the corner being like, it ain't right, it ain't right. And then <laughs> she ends up being, you know, the 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 Grecian Cassandra of it all when it turns yeah. out that they're wrong. And I mean, this was, for my money, this might be like the closest immunity challenge finish we've had since uh, the finale of Heroes versus Villains, when it was like, if you remember, uh, when it was like the blindfold challenge, it was Russell and Jerry and Parvati all going for the the final necklace at the same time, and they were like all literally on top of each other. Like, had Lyro just like inch that puzzle piece in, it was sticking out of its final resting yeah. place when the challenge finished. Like, at, that is crazy to me yeah there are it's it's like one of the where it's so close i mean you can like sometimes the way they edit it where like sometimes you can tell like the challenge isn't really close and like it's like back and forth where you're seeing a shot and then they show the other tribe but the shot from the other tribe is clearly like three minutes ago where they're like trying to like make it look like it's close but this this is like legitimately close and there are just so many because that piece they were that piece wasn't like a last second piece it was like that for a while and it's just such a heartbreaker to like that that close that close um but you know on the on the opposite side like for vokai people who won that i mean that was uh you know tommy invested so much into that challenge uh because i I mean he he knows he's on the line like he knows it's it's his neck probably like more than lauren or dan um so you know he wants it that bad but that's why put the thing in let's like like he was so intense in like a way like he has not been intense in, in past challenges yeah um, he, he's someone who was like very much playing up i just want to be chill i want to go <laughs> yes. with the flow and like seeing tommy on the bottom is seeing a really interesting side of tommy we're seeing like we're seeing tommy a bit more emotional uh, and he is an emotional person you know i've talked with him and like he, he is someone who's very capable of that i think it's one of those things of like classic survivor characterization of how you are on the top versus how you are on the bottom. And some people act the same way. Some people 
change up a bit. And I, I wouldn't say that Tommy was necessarily cocky when he was in a position of power, but it's interesting to see how straight-laced he was when he was felt comfortable in a majority and felt like he had a handle on the game. And when he doesn't, like, you see that desperation eat yeah. through. And it's really interesting to watch. Yeah, yeah. He is, uh, he's he's such a a, a complex character. I, I really, I really enjoy uh, Tommy. And I, I think he's got... Uh, he, he's going to go deep into this game. I mean, if I if I have to choose someone who I think is probably the most likely to win at this point, I would say it's probably Tommy. Um, I think there are a few other people in the mix, but like I, I, I just think like he's got some really good relationships. He was in some trouble here in these you know last couple episodes, but now that he's come out on the other side, if we we're merging next episode, so yeah. you know it's going to be back in back with the numbers. You know it, that could turn out badly for him, of course. Like it, it could, uh, you know, but um, it seems like the worst may be behind him. Um, and, and I'm really, really excited to see what he does moving forward. What, what Tommy will we get next? Yeah, I mean, we'll see because I mean, I think usually what happens with people like Tommy of the athletic builds is, you know, the typical thing is, okay, vote him out as soon as we, we get to the merge because they have a chance of winning challenges. But it does seem like, like we spoke about before, I think, uh, trust is really superseding physicality. And we'll see when, uh, you know, the, the merge happens and physicality becomes much more of a weakness than a strength, if that's still going to hold. If people are like, yeah, you know, he could win a bunch of immunities at the end, but you know what? He is a reliable number for me, so let me keep him. Whereas maybe in other seasons, they wouldn't necessarily do that. Yeah, yeah, it, it very, very well. And, and for sure that they, I, you know, he, he is a very physical player, but... I don't hear a lot of conversation about that. Uh, maybe there is conversation. We're only getting sixty minutes per episode, and after commercials, right. but it's like forty-five. Um, we we want to we want we want ninety-minute episodes. That's what I, that's what Lance and I want. Uh, we want we want challenge-length episodes, uh, so we get more uh, more information. Um, but we'll 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 see we'll see how that uh, we'll see how that goes. Um, but uh, you know, in, in in the immunity challenge, uh, you know, we talked about that that Missy and, and Lauren uh, moment that was fantastic, but. Um, you know, the end result here is is Lero, despite so close, they still go to tribal council uh, again. Um, and uh, it looks like, you know, D Dean, number one on the chopping block. Uh, it makes makes perfect sense. Right. Why wouldn't it be Dean? Yeah, I mean, uh, because, you know, if you're looking at even if it's just like a Dean versus Karishma thing, uh, Karishma very much benefited from essentially being the the one to sell out Lyro first, right. uh, even if Dean was going to do it as well. Like she immediately went to them and she really planted this bug in their head of like, you cannot trust Dean. Uh, you know, I, apparently he's not good at eye contact, uh, which I know that <laughs> Nora and I even spoke. Nora even spoke about this with me preseason when I asked her, like, who do you want to, you know, thinking about uh, joining up with? She's like, I'm really treasuring the people that I'm making eye contact with. Mm. Eye contact means so much to someone like her. And so when Dean doesn't do something like that, you know, even last episode when he's proposing this deal with him, like he's just looking somewhere else. And even though it, it might just be like maybe he spotted something interesting on the horizon, that's distrusting to her and you know if we're we were uh you know heaping praise on to janet for sort of staying the course i'll give it to nora here as well there's even a secret scene this week where she says look i do want to vote out jamal but dean is someone who makes logical sense to get rid of at this point so at this moment it looks like dean's going and dean detective dean is none the wiser <laughs> at this point like he is i i do love this edit of dean where 
it really just seemed like he is uh he's not in the know yeah. a lot yes it's, he hasn't been in the know in quite some time and we see it here where he's like they're gonna have to be really good actors uh <laughs> for them to forget, get one over on me and yeah it turns out that they are the we we are not we have not yet seen the award-winning performance that will come at tribal council yeah yeah i, I mean i i and i don't i can't figure out why dean doesn't see it coming because it should be so clear that it's coming like it really should be uh he it seems like he does have really uh, dean uh has a good relationship with jamal and jack uh, but it seems like his relationship uh, relationships with the women on the tribe are lacking. He said with Nora, um, the uh, a couple weeks ago we saw it with Janet, where Janet was calling him out, where he's he said he's making conversation with everybody, and he's like, "You haven't come to me." Um, so um, you know, I, I think there's like the right like a couple people that he trusts are telling him one thing, but he hasn't built these relationships with this other half of the tribe and he's got no relationship with going with, with Karishma. So that's already, and that's, that's already three. Like, yeah, it's, it's interesting because again, if we're talking about this idea of content versus intent, you know, we have Janet say earlier in the episode that she feels he's kind of like, full of himself and i think jamal is going to say at this point of like oh you know uh dean's a little smarmy and again it, he could not be intending that whatsoever he's see, he's a very nice guy it could just be that the way he's presenting himself whether it be body language eye contact or lack thereof or just the way he's saying things that is sort of like giving off this this for lack of a better term a douchey vibe yeah. and i think that makes someone a little less mistrusting than someone like Karishma, who will give you that eye contact. We see her in that scene with Jamal, where Jamal's like, okay, you're safe. And she like almost like gives him prayer hands, like, oh, thank you. Thank you so much. Almost like uh, giving off this idea of subservience. Like, I, yeah. I owe you my life in this game. And I mean, it makes sense. I mean, that's sort of the the role you want to play and the, the way you want to act. Whereas maybe Dean and being a bit too too cool for school is being is coming across as guarded. And maybe keeping some secrets, uh, which make him more threatening if there's this chance that he could flip back over on the other side. Yeah. Um, and, it, and indeed, it looks like Dean is absolutely dead in the water here if it's not for uh, Kelly and her moment of inspiration, which was uh. another really great, uh, a really great moment on the show. Because like, I feel like rarely do you feel like you get like a moment in these confessionals that's like real. Where it's like someone like, but like in the moment she has this idea and she's got an idol she that's going to expire. It's one of the uh, island of the idol treasures uh, she she picked up, and uh, she she doesn't want to let it go to waste. Like why would you want to let an immunity idol go to waste? And she doesn't feel threatened at this tribal council, so she gets an idea. What if I give it to Dean? Not play it for Dean, but give it to Dean. And this is this is one heck of a risky. This is a calculated risk here. If we're talking calculated risk, this is a big one. Yeah, I mean, it's it's I very ironic. I don't know if Janet told her the lesson, but <laughs> that she is specifically talking about this because a there's the the thing that the plan that she makes, but b it's her like also making ensuring her own safety because the as she points out, the big con to this is okay. What if I give the idol to Dean? We pull a Ben Dreberg in and everyone votes for Dean and then Dean plays the idol, but then votes me out. Right. Then I'll be a complete sucker. And so her other like contingency plan is, OK, if I convince Nora, hey, Dean is voting for you, which up to the point that Kelly approaches Dean, that's what Dean's thinking. Mm -hmm. Dean thinks the vote is against Nora. And so he's going to vote for Nora. So if she tells him, hey, if if Dean has an idol, of course, now she knows Dean has an idol because right. she gave him one. Right. If Dean has an idol. And he votes for you, you're gone. 
So maybe if you throw a vote onto, in this case, Jack, that'll cause a tie and then we'll vote Jack out. And I think it's just it's such an interesting strategy. There there are repercussions of it that I want to talk about that maybe makes me like the move a little bit less. What I find so interesting about this, and this is what I, I wanted to allude to earlier, is I found out through my exit press with Jason that Kelly was probably his closest ally. And so it's really interesting to me. I really think this move was predicated on the fact that Jason was gone. Okay. Because if you think about it, if you're from Kelly's perspective and you say, my number one ally is gone, I need to find a new number one in this game. Hey, here's this guy who knows someone who I know. We made a pretty good personal connection. And if I end up saving him here, he's loyal to me, Mm -hmm. at least for a little bit. I think this was a gesture to make Dean Kelly's number one ally to find that new Jason. And from that perspective, I could see, because I, again, the, the the big debate that's been going on the past 24 hours or so is, you know, did Kelly really need to do this? And if you use that logic, she definitely feels like she should have from her perspective. If she if she's shoring up for a merge and she needs someone she could ride or die with, she lost that person, she needs a new one. I need Dean by my side. And if he's in trouble now, I need to make sure he makes it through that tribal council no matter what. Yeah, it's a it's a really fascinating move. And I I like that you mentioned Nora here, because like apparently Nora is we don't get a lot of how Nora plays into this vote in the episode. But it's it's pretty clear that she does, because we see when the votes come out, it's not Kelly. Kelly votes for Dean. At yeah, the end she, of this episode, she covers her tracks it, so yeah, nicely. If, if I, and I, I know, like a lot of people may not just like pay attention to that part when people are putting up the votes, because like obviously you think, like, why wouldn't it be Dean and Kelly who voted? But it was, it was Nora, right? Nora, Nora was the one who who did this. So obviously, there's some kind of conversation that that went on there. Um, and you know, it's, it makes great sense if the, you know, if the assumption is like, everybody's telling Dean, oh, it's Nora, you're going to vote for Nora, right? It's, it's gotta be Nora. Like there's a reason for Nora to be a little bit worried here. And it makes perfect sense for Kelly to maybe work with Nora and build a bond with Nora, someone who's going to be sticking around after the merge. And maybe once she gets to the merge, is she going to be as big of a target anymore? Maybe because she's so unpredictable and she's been throwing names out there, but maybe not because she's Nora. Like, it's it's tricky to know where Nora stands because uh, yeah, she's mean, Nora. And in, and in that way, she has actually, you know, protecting two people, yes. not just one. And that now Nora feels indebted to her and it's also a really nice you know we talk in big brother all the time about the idea of the hinky vote of oh my god and i'm sure the big mystery coming back from tribal council is okay who was the second vote for jack and now kelly technically didn't do it so you know she doesn't need to lie about it and knowing nora again if she's the what you see is what you get she'll probably say that she voted for jack and you know that can go one of two ways Either that really alienates Nora from the rest of Vokai as, oh, my God, this is like this is someone who would vote against us like she's clearly not Vokai strong or it's something that, you know, just sort of gets erased water under the bridge. Okay, that was just a freak thing from Dean with the idol. Let's move forward. Either way is a win-win for yeah, Kelly. Yeah, and I, I liked, uh, and, and you know, I, who knows whether or not this is intentional, but when like looking at Kelly's vote, when she votes for Dean, like it's it's a very like 
it's a vote that stand just the way it's written kind of stands out and it's like identifiable like that, I, that's clearly not how i wrote dean's name it's like with this mashup like capital letters and lowercase letters and a, like i feel yeah, like going okay. back kelly, later yeah, kelly is too neat to be able to to use you know different yeah, types of types yeah like going back to it later it's like he's like yeah no i definitely voted i was the one who had the like the lowercase e in there you know like it's yeah, like that it's, it's, it's a detail but the one thing i will say though is so when i talked with jack and granted, a lot of stuff that happens with Exit Press might be done in hindsight, because obviously now Jack is a juror. Now he's seen what happened. But at least what he told me was that as soon as he saw that second vote for Jack, he knew Kelly was behind it. He thought that maybe she was the second vote. He didn't realize that Nora was the, the second vote. And apparently he said that because she, it was palpable how close her and Dean were. So if Dean did play an idol, he figured, okay, either he did it or it came from someone like Kelly. So we know that he figured that out. I'm very intrigued to see if other people are onto that as well. Because if that's the case, as much as we might be commending this move from Kelly, a sneaky sneaky to the point where she has this fantastic shocked face, you know, to the point where Nora's turning to her of like, oh my God, this is crazy, right? She's like, oh, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, if people know that or have suspicions that she's the one that, that could have done it, then that really puts her in hot water. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. So it sounds like we're starting to talk about some tribal council stuff. We've been doing it for a while. So let's let's just get right into it here because this is a, there is so much that goes on in tribal council. Right. And let's get into it right after this. CBS Wednesday. We have so many cool, diverse people from different backgrounds, different beliefs, different upbringings, and it just keeps growing. I'm a citizen of the United States. I'm a hustler. I'm a big Taylor Swift fan. I'm the queen of the tribe. I am playing whatever role I gotta play. I'm gonna play this game for speed. I ain't going down like no punk. A new Survivor, Wednesday on CBS and streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Okay, uh, so we're back, and uh, the the tribal council. I said it at the beginning of the episode. This is one of my favorite tribal councils. I mean, all season long, but probably one of my favorites. Um, and we don't even really get into the whole like the the craziness of the vote that happens uh, because it's all about this this great uh, you know this this great conversation about uh, an all women's alliance, and it starts with uh, um, Jamal being very concerned. Um, and Nora kind of throwing out Dean's name, or pardon me, throwing out Jamal's name. Um, and there's this, there's this moment at, at tribal council where Jamal's just kind of like pressing her and it, it comes out like, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's crossed my mind. Like it's, well, everything's crossed my mind. Like, why wouldn't this cross my mind? Um, and it, and it really sets up this moment where, um, you know, there, there is a concern in, in Jamal's head where like, okay, like maybe it's me, maybe I'm a sucker here. Like, cause who, who knows what's going on? Like, that's why it's a blind side. You don't know when it's coming until after, after it comes. So maybe there is something going on here. Um, but I, I do love that, um, it, it's, it starts with Kelly and, and Janet ha has it too, where we get into this discussion about women's alliances and it's, uh, Jeff asked the question and I, I wrote down the question here. Um, and let me, let me ask the question to you is fear of an all women's Alliance because of the seismic cultural shift of how we view gender. Uh, what see, do you think? I, I mean, listen, I totally can see where Jeff is coming from in terms of, you know, as Krishman talks about survivors, often a microcosm of society and especially with the age that we're living in, 
That being said, I feel like if that was the case, I mean, this show has had strong female characters going all the way back to season one. I I personally do not know if it's necessarily specifically emblematic of the times. I personally feel, and, and Dalton Ross, another Survivor journalist, came out with uh, a great recap, as he usually does every week, of this past episode, where he brings up this really great point where... I don't think the fear of a woman's alliance is based on, uh, you know, where society is at this time. I feel like fear of a woman's alliance is based on past precedent. Because if you think about it, I mean, what Kelly is making is such a salient point that there's all this talk, nearly every season of women's alliance, women's alliance. And in terms of women's alliances, we have seen what uh, the Black Widow Brigade and then we've in Micronesia. And then we've seen alliances in like Vanuatu and One World, even though you could argue that those seasons were divided by gender right, initially. Right. It was even and I mean, you could say whether it was a gender divided uh, alliance, an alliance based on gender or an alliance based on original tribes. Uh, so, I mean, the actual evidence of one is far, you know, dwarfed by the actual suspicions of one. But when you look at something like the Black Widow Brigade or even, you know, Kim's alliance from One World that proved to be very successful, that really sets paranoia going on in people's heads immediately after those seasons. And unfortunately, it's a self-perpetuating cycle where if a women's alliance is mentioned every season – Hey, guess what? If you're a player coming into the season, you're going to be thinking about a woman's alliance because you just heard talk about a woman's alliance on the previous season. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think it's based on precedent without lack of concrete evidence. And I do appreciate Kelly really trying to stop that narrative in the moment. So I personally, as beautiful as, you know, I think it is about movements like Me Too and Time's Up really bringing about larger conversations about gender roles that have really, uh, you know, conversations that have lied dormant for years at this point. I do think in this particular instance, it was it, so female alliances are less so based on what happens on the outside world and more so based on, OK, I know Survivor. I know that there's always talk about a women's alliance, even though for the most part it doesn't happen. Right. What complicates this issue even more, Fox, is that th- there kind of is one. <laughs> you know, exactly. Exactly right. Exactly. Yeah, the, right. The, the, and that's what I feel like makes this issue so much more incredibly complicated than the one from last episode. I know it's a bit like apples and oranges comparing conversations about race and gender, but I feel like last episode, I think we're all pretty much in agreement of what Jack said was wrong. Here's why it was wrong. They break it down here. I think that, you know, the way that Jamal certainly says things uh, are, are not uh, obviously the most squeaky clean. I, I do, you know, the whole thing about like, I work at a K to nine school so I can see the power that women have when they're together. I would not say is uh, the most like empowering statement uh, for your argument. But at the same time, he has he does have reason to fear in this moment because he has heard accurately so that Nora was trying to bring the women of this tribe together with Dean to vote him out. So it's it's this, it's this very weird dichotomy where I feel like Kelly is completely right and this systemic fear of women's alliance is uh, invalid. But at the same time, this is kind of a, a fear on Jamal's part that is a bit substantiated because something in this case did actually come together a bit. Yeah, yeah. Um, and and the all women's alliance that it's it's not just survivor it's it's big brother as well and it's just like it's it's just such a it's it's been there like you said it it is something that has happened in past seasons and uh, you know it's it's very curious to me that you know because it happened once in micronesia i I think that's probably the big one that everybody you know thinks of the you know like you said the black widow uh brigade there 
um, that it just like it's been in everybody's head for so long. Like there's like such a fear. And I really love the point where it's like no one fears the all guys alliance. Like, why is that not? And we've seen that before. Right. I think like blood versus water, I, I think, was it the, the first one that we that we saw or maybe the, the second one, uh, the Culpepper one um, was uh, where, where they, they started an, an all all male alliance. Yeah. I and mean, we've even seen seasons where like, you know, uh, three out of the four men in the final four uh, were, yeah. were men or they like we've seen up. seasons yeah. like or seasons like Nicaragua where three men sit at the end. And yes, you might have all male alliances like the four horsemen in Fiji, but I feel like paranoia and suspicion of an all-male alliance, to Kelly's very valid point, mm-hmm. is much less rampant yeah. than fear of a women's alliance. For some reason, and I, I feel like it's unfortunately, again, due to the those identities and stereotypes that have been ingrained in, in the difference in genders for years, that it's like, oh, women can't be trusted because they're catty and they'll come together behind your back. Whereas guys, they'll tell you the truth, they'll bro down, which we know is not the case yeah. Yeah. Whatsoever. Yeah. Whatsoever. Uh, be, and women and men can be equally duplicitous to the point where we talked about Nora and Janet, who are two of the most sincere characters this season, and both of them are women. You know, I, I feel like, unfortunately, uh, this is an example of stereotypes working very badly. And I also realize the optics and, you know, two guys talking about this. I very much encourage people to check out the commentary from former female players and former and you know uh, females from the fan community as well because as Janet says here beautifully in her monologue, they have lived in experiences that shows this bias happening. And you know, it, it's something that is so systemic that I am so glad that Kelly acknowledged. It's something that has been going on a lot in the survivor community for years in terms of discussion and it has finally been brought to the forefront. It just sucks that, you know, it's something where after all this stuff, Jamal then says, "Okay, Jeff, can you please ask Nora if she was going to have a women's alliance? And Nora says, well, I was. So (laughs) it's one of those things that, like, I wouldn't say it invalidates Kelly's argument, but it's tough when, you know, his suspicions are confirmed after they are, you know, promptly uh, promptly rebuffed by Kelly in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. um, uh, Yeah. That that is that is unfortunate. But I I, I think that. The, the the conversation that just happened there uh is is just it's it's a really like i said like like last week's conversation like this is a really important conversation to have it's the perfect place and time to have it um and i'm i'm really glad that they brought up several points even if it did kind of even if nora kind of gets in the way here a little bit um as, yeah, as I, nora tends I, to do but and I think even Jamal is someone who says, like, I totally agree with, yeah. you know, the intention behind that. And, that. and that's the thing as well, as I think this cast is just such good storytellers across the board. And I, I think this is an example of a story, even if it is sort of a perspective. I think Kelly does a great job of articulating her argument. I feel like Janet does a real powerhouse job here where for her, it's less so about this idea of, you know, women's alliance and more this idea of like, hey, you know, uh, don't assume that we're just going to bond because of gender. You know, I look at people for humans. And she also makes this really interesting argument as well about, you know, this idea of, uh, you know, in order to empower women, it needs to come from all sides. I do feel like there's an unfortunate stigma against this idea of feminism as of late of like, oh, it means that women want to be better than men. When really what Janet is alluding to here and what the common sense argument is, no, they just want to be on equal footing and while there are so many strong, independent women who are, are working to make that a possibility, you know, it needs to be accepted 
from yeah. from all sides. And and that's what Janet is sort of uh, alluding to here is you need to earn your respect, your dignity, your position. You need to earn who you are as human beings to e- each other in a perfect world that would not matter with gender. So to, you know, foist that construct on us that we're only working together because we're women uh, and not because I want to bond with someone on a human level is is a very, you know, uh, a very just skeptical way of viewing things. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, for sure that this is probably, you know, uh, maybe a new angle to the conversation and a new venue for the conversation. But this is these issues are not new. Like the, the things that we are talking about here, like none of this is new. This is this goes back. I mean, certainly before either of us were born, like uh, it's it just, you know, it's a very systemic thing. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I'm I'm, I'm just glad that survivors is talking about it and it's doing it in a very uh, seemingly respectful way um in a positive way in a way that like helps with the conversation and doesn't yeah. get in the way of the conversation or yes yeah. and, and that's the thing as well is that you know uh, i think what's very key and what him might encourage to you know uh the tone that some of these conversations take is jeff talks about you know the fans at home and Jeff has very much been into this idea of like kids watching the show, this being a family show. And and Jeff says that, you know, when you have young people watching the show, uh, you know, they're going to view lenses uh, through the way that they're expressed on the show. That's one reason why I'm really happy with this cast as well is because they represent so many different backgrounds. Vince talked about it. Uh, in that, you know, this is uh, he has been people have been so inspired by the Southeast Asian community to have a representative on the screen. I can imagine how there may be little girls who, you know, their eyes have been opened to the conversation, uh, you know, based on what they see. Could a 30 year old woman, you know, uh, say, OK, yes, I, I absolutely know this is happening. Totally. Because that's a, that's a, an experience they live every day. But if it comes to inspiring those to, you know, uh, learn from Survivor, uh, even though they're not on the island and try to impart those virtues in their own life. I feel like it is a very valuable teaching moment that has, as is brought up, like very much oddly surrounded in this game where, again, yes, it, it is so wrong to, you know, outright say like, oh, yeah, they're working together because they're women. But at the same time, you know, you have to really balance that paranoia of like, okay, they could be working together. And in fact, I just heard that there was a coalition against me. So I'm not entirely sure how to balance my suspicion with, you know, biases that are inherent from our society. Mm, Yeah. Um, yeah, great, great, great points. Um, I want to talk about the, I want to talk about the vote, uh, real quick. I mean, we've talked a little bit about it already. Um, you know, obviously a bunch of votes go on Dean, they're all invalid. Jack gets two and he goes home. Um, the interesting thing here, aside from the idle play, uh, that, uh, that Kelly and Dean make together, um, is Jamal, is Jamal's response to yeah. it, where he plays his idol and not just playing his idol, but playing his idol for Nora, um, which is another like really eye-opening move, and I'm very curious to think uh, to know what you think about this. Yeah, this is bananas. <laughs> this is absolutely crazy. Because again, look at the beginning of this episode where Nora's like, "Oh, Jamal is such a huge asshole." Cuts to like forty something minutes later where she plays it. I was like, "Oh my god, thank you! Wow." I mean, I'm sure she was absolutely stunned. I mean, if I, I'm sure again, we'll find out from Jamal at some point as to what the logic was behind it. My assumption was. He had assumed that it would be, like we had mentioned before, unanimous on Dean with Dean voting for Nora. I think his greatest hope is, okay, if I want to guarantee that Vokai makes the merge, my plan is let me play my idol on Nora. That erases all the votes now. 
we start clean slate and then we just all vote for Karishma. And maybe he would try to like start spreading the whispers after that as they go into a, a revote. But yeah, it's absolutely crazy. It's it's shades of, you know, uh, Dan playing an idol on Angelina oh, in, yeah, terms yeah. Of, in terms of idols making strange bedfellows of like, hey, if it works towards the, the common good, sometimes you'll, as Nora says, like the two big personalities will find themselves working for a common cause and as a result doing things we would not initially suspect. Yeah, it's I mean, it's such a bold move. And, you know, we've seen it before where, uh, you know, it go back to like heroes versus villains where, you know, Parvati plays two idols for two different people, um, you know, in a moment where she could play it herself. And it's, you know, it's just like it's the ultimate survivor baller move here. But it just... Yeah, for, for me, like, I, I think playing the idol is the right move here. Like, if all those votes are going to be invalidated, like, who knows where it's going? But to play it on Nora, that that just like, ooh, that that seems like that seems like he's acting on old information. Um, yeah. If, if Dean well, is going to play an idol, is Dean really going to follow through with your plan? Like, ah. I don't know. Yeah, and that's the thing is that like I I maybe he underestimated Dean and he just thought okay Dean was just going to go forward and he I mean maybe they knew that okay he purposely drew all the votes onto himself so he's going to play the idol but I do love Karishma's reaction to it as well of like she is grateful but then when the votes come in like she feels genuinely remorseful that Jamal wasted his idol on her. Yeah. Like oh that's too bad. I'm yeah. so sorry. When like she she could have very easily gone home in a different scenario had Jamal not played his idol it, on her. It it very well could have been. Um but like it's all the better that she was kind of in on it on the plan and she gets the idol played for her anyway it's like best of best of both worlds i, I, I want to know what that's like i want someone to play an idol for me someday someday um yeah um so so yeah it's uh I, i'm very i'm very curious moving forward about this you, you said it with uh with with jack kind of seeing this relationship that dean and kelly have i'm very curious to see how you know we, we know how Detective Dean operates, but how about Detective the rest of Lairo, uh and figuring out how this happened? Because there are two votes there. Someone did it, you know? Um, and maybe, you know, my, my question was, you know, are they going to be able to keep it secret? But maybe not. If, if Jack saw it, um, everyone else is probably seeing it, too. Um, who else is he working with? You know, I, it looked like he was working. Dean was working with Jack. So it didn't come from Jack. Jack's yeah, gone. And I guess, and, and I mean, it could also be the thing where, yes, maybe Kelly feels Dean is in debt to her, but it could easily be a situation where if Dean feels like he's in trouble, he can do just what he did at Tribal Council with Nora and try to throw Kelly under the bus by yeah. being like, hey, this was her idol. So it's a weird relationship where, like, yes, I feel like uh, Kelly is the one who holds power over Dean, but Dean is not completely powerless here. Yeah, and I he, and he has the information. I really did like that move too, uh, to not to go back to the tribal council, but when when Dean did call out Nora, where you know even if Dean knows he is safe, he is still playing the tribal council game and he's still you know he's putting Nora on the hot seat and I love it I, I love that uh, that that by him um, to, to throw it because he needs a wrench in there somewhere uh, you know moving yeah. forward Lero is not the old Lero is not going to come back together uh, in, in the way that would like that that would help his game so he's got to do something with Okai yeah, you never know. Like, yeah. I, again, this cast continuously surprises me. So if they come back next week and they're like, great, Lyro versus Vokai, like, I I would be stunned. But then again, you know, if you have like a David versus Goliath scenario where like, for the most part, I know they voted out Elizabeth, but the Davids, despite coming from such different allegiances, were like, yeah, we'll all work together and, and pursue forward. So who knows? We could see a Lyro 
uprising here, especially, you know, if getting rid of Jack, it seemed like someone who was very social, very well liked with a lot of Vokai players. What did you think, by the way, about the choice to gun for Jack instead of Jamal? I'm sure from an edit perspective, we were all a little surprised it wasn't Jamal, especially to your point, the aforementioned, like, I feel so safe tonight comments like that's classic right before a fall. What do you think about the choice for Kelly, I guess, as the, as the dictator of this vote here to go for Jack specifically over Jamal? Yeah. Um, I, I actually liked it. I, I liked it. And the reason why I like it is because I think that Jamal is probably going to be an easier player to kind of form a consensus around that we need to get him out where I feel like, like Jack kind of has like this more easygoing kind of thing where like he doesn't come across as like a strategic mastermind. Like, yeah, he'll maybe he'll win an immunity here and there. Um, but like, I feel like Jamal is someone who is like even maybe more so than Jack, like has a lot of great, you know, bonds with people, a lot of good strategic moments, you know, even though he had like these, um, you know, some friction here with uh, with with Kelly uh, in this episode and with Nora. Um, I, I, I just view him, I, I view, I view Jamal as a bigger threat to win the game than I would view Jack as a threat to win the game. And that's just, that, that I think is, is kind of the tiebreaker there. Yeah. Well, I also wonder if it's a matter of obviously, you know, you know that someone like Nora is not keen to work with Jamal later on. So maybe that's going to always, you know, put Jamal one position below you on the totem pole. It's just so interesting because you, you have this confessional where Kelly's weighing her options and she's like, yeah, you know, Jack is someone who really trusts me. And again, you would think that, yes, keep that person who can trust you. But I guess to that point, again, every strength in Survivor can be seen as a weakness and vice versa. Uh, you know, Jack being so social and that being able to trust her works the other way as well, where, oh my God, he's so well connected that he can e- jump around more easily than Jamal, which makes him a bit more dangerous. It's just such an interesting decision. Maybe there's something about the merge as well, and that, you know, he's a very athletic guy. Maybe she can fear that he'd be a threat after the merge and go on a challenge run. I, I'm still trying to crack into that rationale, but I find it very interesting that, I mean, she had a clear shot of, I guess, not only between the two of them, but basically any target. Yeah. And she chose to go for Jack specifically. Yeah, and we'll we'll see next week how that works out. Um, whether it was the right move or the wrong move, uh, we'll, we'll we'll figure it out then. Um, I think we uh, I think we need to wrap it up here. Uh, we've we've been going on for an awful long time, um, but I want to first of all thank you so much for joining me here today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Some great insights from you. Um, before we go, uh, you want to tell people where they can find you and your great uh, columns and interviews. Absolutely. So every week on Parade.com, I do exit press with the person most recently voted out. I've done some allusions to my uh, exit interview with Jack this week, which I highly recommend people check out. Uh, You know, he unfortunately, I don't think uh, had as many game moments shown as he probably wanted to. So we give a lot of insight as to his own personal strategy. He also talked a lot about how Uh, Jack, I believe about five or so years ago, unfortunately lost his father. And uh, he has this moment in a Ponderosa video because uh, one of the big surprises on top of all the surprises from that tribal council, Jack is the first member of the jury. Uh, And in his Ponderosa video, he talks about how becoming a juror actually allowed him a bit of moment of emotional reconciliation uh, to realize exactly how 
he has digested uh, his father's loss and, you know, uh, how that's affected his life. And it, it's really beautiful. And I, I always love talking with the guy again. He's an absolute ray of sunshine, which unfortunately I think is one of the reasons why he left. So be sure to check that out. You can always go to parade.com slash tag slash survivor to check out all the stuff that I'm doing. As I mentioned, uh, a couple days ago, I put out an interview with Jamal uh, that gave his side of that really powerful scene from last week. I highly encourage people to check that out. Uh, Jamal uh, just, you know, he really gets into his own reasoning behind things, uh, the, the outside perspective as to things as well, and his reception to a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the community's response. And, and, and you know, it, it, it's really well done. Uh, you can check out the RHAP B&B on robhasawebsite.com. Uh, again, myself, Liana Boris, and a guest get together, and we do... A lot of silly things. Uh, there's a lot of silliness, even around very serious subjects, uh, important subjects that are talked about on Survivor. The other big thing that I do, uh, speaking of island-based shows, I am on a podcast called Down the Hatch on postshowrecaps.com. Oh, which yes. Is an, an episodic Lost Rewatch podcast that myself and Josh Wiggler, who is another great Survivor journalist and Survivor podcaster, we're going week by week through the episodes very comprehensive. If you think this is long, we go for about <laughs> twice as long every week on an episode of similar length. Uh, but Lost is one of my favorite shows of all time. It got me into network drama. It's an incredibly beautiful character-driven story, in my opinion. And Josh and I have so much fun there. So if you're a fan of Lost as well, uh, be sure. And you've, and you've watched it all the way through because it is a spoiler-filled rewatch podcast. Be sure to check that all out on postshowrecaps.com. And you can always follow me for all the stuff I'm schlepping out there in the internet populace at a Mike Bloom type. Yes, uh, yes, definitely check that out. Uh, check all that out. Um, also, just uh, I, I read the Jamal interview. Definitely go seek that out. That is some quality. I think I retweeted it, but Parade.com, it's, it's all there, right? And check out the Jack interview while you're there. Um, and if we want to follow you on social media, we follow you. Uh... Uh, at, at a Mike Bloom type on Twitter and I think Instagram. I'm not much of like a picture poster my wife sort of takes over the we have a six-month-old son and my wife has sort of taken over the picture duty so i sort of just like uh nod and get tagged on them but i'll occasionally <laughs> post stuff from uh from time to time i'm not the best photographer in the world i definitely uh value my writing skills more than my photography skills uh so i i, I still like it though it's, it's fun to to be a part of the platform so if you want to follow me on that so be it and i appreciate of course all the support everyone has had uh, throughout this season. And for you as well, Fox, for having oh, me on it. Oh, this has been an absolutely awesome time. And I thank you so much for, for having me become I'm... a part of the Survivor Bros family. As it Yes, was. absolutely. I'm glad to have you here. And for sure, we're going to have you back if you'll do it with us. So we'd love to have you back. Um, while you're following uh, Mike, you may as well follow me uh, at Fox Van Allen on uh, the, the Twitter and the, the Instagram, all those good spots. Um, and uh, while you're following things and liking things and subscribing to things, why not subscribe to the Survivor Brothers podcast? Uh, you can do that on any of your favorite podcasting apps, uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever you want to do it, do it there. Um, so, uh, so please do that. And if you like us, please leave a review. A nice one, preferably, but any review will do, I guess. We'll, do, we'll take the content. Um, yeah, so. considering that, you know, the, the, the discourse within the castaways of this season has been, uh, you know, even around complicated subjects, has been kind and courteous. Mm -hmm. Have that reflect upon your own reviewing yes, as well. Yes, please, you know? please. Yes, it's a good, good point. Good point, as always. All right. So, uh, listen, again, thank you so much for being here. 
Um, we'll, we'll have you back as soon as we can. And uh, hopefully all you viewers will be back here next week where we find out exactly what the heck Lance has been up to. So stay tuned for that. And we'll be talking the merge and all that great Survivor stuff. So until next time, goodbye, everybody. Whether it's a new Netflix original, the latest season of a long-running network drama, or a re-evaluation of a legendary comedy series, TV Guide is the place for fans to come and find out about their favorite shows and movies, and, with our help, discover some new favorites as well. From our Watch This Now recommendations and newsletter, to our WTF Just Happened video series, TV Guide is the premier hub for people who love TV as much as we all do to come and hang out. Visit us at tvguide.com, follow us on social media at TV Guide, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash TV Guide, for all this great free content. And let us help you find your next binge. The time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.